You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Understanding the Ladder Rain, Episode 4, with Dan Gabbert. Good morning. Did you have a good breakfast? Yes. Me too. It was awesome. How many of you are cooks? I'm a good eater. Um, It's nice to see you. What a beautiful place we have to worship God, to grow and learn. Amen. When I was considering and praying what to present here at this camp meeting, this subject um, kept coming up. Avoiding character assassination. The first two presentations I have for you are just to set us up so you can understand um, the latter rain, which, uh, as you'll see in the presentations, is absolutely vital. Notice the text from Zechariah. Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. How many of you believe we're getting closer to the time of the latter rain? How close? The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. We'll be uh, focusing in to understand this more, but I wanted, before I prayed, I wanted to share this with you. I, uh, I think it'd be valuable for us to pray again. Dear Father, this is such a delight to have this time together with my brothers and sisters in your presence to contemplate one of the most beautiful and precious gifts that you have given us, the gift of your Holy Spirit and the latter rain. We're just asking for your Holy Spirit to do a special work for each of our hearts, especially mine this morning, as you've promised to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Just a little bit of background about the latter rain. Uh, in, the, in the Bible, um, Revelation 17, 15, waters uh, in prophecy represent peoples, nations, tongues, right? But in spiritual experience, personal spiritual experience, water can also represent something else. Notice what Jesus said in John 7, 38 and 39. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his what? Flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Um, And of course, the Holy Spirit's been at work throughout history to lead people to uh, recognize and accept the solution that God has to all of our problems, the plan of salvation. But here it's just talking about the Pentecostal rain that was poured out after Jesus went back to heaven. So catch this. Living water represents what? Holy Spirit. So in, when it comes to human experience, 
Water can represent something besides people, nations, multitudes, and tongues, like in prophecy, prophetic. But here in spiritual experience, water represents the Holy Spirit. And here is how the Gospel Commission, the three angels' messages, is going to be completed, finished. It's always been this way, but I'm kind of believing that we need to get a little bit more serious about actually being a part of the finishing work through the work of the Holy Spirit. What do you say? Zechariah chapter 4, 6 says, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel being one of the overseers for rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem when they came back from Babylon. And now we're looking at this and we're recognizing that it's talking about building up the temple, uh, the temple of God, which is the church, right? Be glad, Joel 2.23 says, be glad then you children of Zion. Who are the children of Zion? We are believers, amen? And rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former reign faithfully. I love that word, faithfully. God is faithful. And he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Joel 2.23. Now just a little background, and this is for the listeners, those who will be watching this someday later, sometime later, those of you who are here, just very, very simply, the early rain, when the Bible talks about the early rain in physical crops, um, wheat and barley, the early rain was actually what supplied the moisture for the seed to sprout and begin to grow. The latter rain supplied the moisture for the crop to ripen and produce a harvest. Makes sense. Yeah, I hope you've got your Bibles. We'll be looking at that here in a few times. But uh, this is big. I want both of them. Little, little bit of umbrella coverage here now. The early and latter rains spiritually can under, understood, be understood to represent the work of the Spirit of God in human hearts to produce a Christ-like character, the harvest, in the salvation experience of believers. And then here's a statement from uh, testimonies, ministers, and gospel workers. As the dew and the rain are given to first, first to cause the seed to germinate, there's the early rain, then to ripen the harvest, there's the latter rain, so the Holy Spirit is given to carry forward from one stage to another the process of spiritual growth. I like that, don't you? We're not in this alone. The ripening of the grain represents the completion of the work of God's grace in the soul. Wonderful. Going on. The early rain also can represent the special outpouring of the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples at Pentecost, uh, right after Jesus went back to heaven, when the Spirit of God was poured out to communicate Christ and Him crucified. And the latter rain, of course, representing the final outpouring of the Spirit of God to finish this redemptive gospel work. So there it is again, just in a little, little di different bit of a picture, talking about Pentecost, and of course talking about the final Pentecost, the latter rain. Here's a statement from Christ Object Lessons, page 121. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost was the former rain. But the latter rain will be what, everyone? 
more abundant. Can you imagine? The gospel is not going to end with less power. The gospel is going to finish up with power. I want to be a part of it. How about you? Yeah. The Spirit awaits our demand and reception. I like that. You know, I still haven't gotten around the idea of actually demanding from God anything because I don't deserve it. There it is. Actually demand from God. I've got a lot of room to grow. How about you? Christ is again to be revealed in his fullness by the Holy Spirit's power. Let me ask you a question. Um, On the day of Pentecost, who was exalted? Christ was as the Savior. And the latter reign is in more power. Let me ask you, who is going to be exalted when the latter reign is poured out? Jesus Christ. The last manifestation of this incredible gospel is actually a revelation of Christ's character of love. Man, amazing. Uh, The latter reign of the Holy Spirit also is bestowed to add convincing power to the loud cry of the third angel's message as it's given by God's faithful remnant people. Look at this statement. Early writings, page 85, 86. While the work of salvation is closing, trouble will be coming on the earth. Amen. And the nations will be angry, yet held in check so as not to prevent the work of the third angel. At that time, the latter rain or refreshing from the presence of the Lord will come to give power to the loud voice of the third angel. By the way, who's going to give the, who's going to be the voice of the third angel? Very good. That's right. Dear friends, there's another extremely vital and important purpose for the final outpouring of the Holy Spirit besides communicating the three angels' messages to a lost and dying world. Know what it is? The latter reign of the Holy Spirit is given to prepare God's faithful remnant people for what? For translation. Prepare them to stand faithful to him through the final time of trouble. Here's a statement. Spiritual Gifts, Volume 2, page 225. Those who come up to every point and stand every test and overcome, be the price what it may, have heeded the counsel of the true witness and they will receive the latter rain and thus be fitted for translation. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches seven times. How many of you are aware of the mind games that the devil plays? John 13, 2 tells us that the devil put into Judas Iscariot's heart to betray Christ. Acts chapter 5, the devil put into Ananias' heart, in fact, filled his heart with the idea of lying to the Holy Ghost mercy. And he's constantly playing games with our heads, bombarding with thoughts and feelings. Mind, Character, and Personality, Volume 2, page 432 says this, 
There are thoughts and feelings suggested and aroused by Satan that annoy even the best of men. But if they're not cherished, if they're repulsed as hateful, the soul is not contaminated with guilt, false guilt, and none other is defiled by their influence. This is big. He's constantly playing. So questions come, am I doing things right? Am I I really connected to God? Am I understanding this right? Just all kinds of... How many of you experienced that? Man, battle's hot for the mind. Spirit of Prophecy, again, Volume 2. I love this statement. This is amazing. We need not worry. Spirit of Prophecy, Volume 3, page 272. It's also in Last Day Events. We need not to worry about the latter rain. All we have to do is to keep the vessel clean and right side up. Amen. And prepared for the reception of the heavenly rain and keep praying. It is our part of the work to put ourselves in connection with the divine channel. God is responsible for his part of the work. God is faithful. Anybody want to agree with me? Isn't it neat to agree with the Lord? What a peace. Man. Here's the reason why I decided with the Lord's help, this is what I want to share. The purpose of this series is to provide you and me with what I believe to be the spiritual understanding and tools necessary for us to put ourselves in connection with the divine channel to keep the vessel right side up cooperating with the work of the Lord to prepare us for the reception of his Holy Spirit in latter rain power, to prepare us for translation, to prepare us to spend eternity in the very presence of the Most High God. I don't know that I'm ready, but I'm determined to practice trusting God and believing what he says so that he can prepare me. Because it's not about all about what I do. It's all about what he can do in a submitted vessel. By the way, speaking of vessels, please remember this. Preparation for the latter rain from beginning to end is entirely a work of God's grace upon willing, cooperative human hearts. Testimonies to Ministers 507-508 While we cherish the blessing of the early rain, we must not, on the other hand, lose sight of the fact that without the latter rain to fill out the ears and ripen the grain, the harvest will not be ready for the sickle and the labor of the sower will have been in vain. Divine grace is needed when? At the beginning, divine grace at every step of advance and divine grace alone complete the work. I, uh, I stuck this in here just for those who are uh, not, not sure where to go in the Bible. But in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. All, 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 all. I love it. So, How many of you heard a preacher or someone say, you know, divine grace is unmerited favor? Anybody want to say amen? It is, but it's way more than that. 
And so often we neglect to actually encourage one another to recognize the grace of God as something else. Um, Here, just using the Bible, in Acts 20, verse 24, um, Paul, when he was saying goodbye to the elders, um, says, The ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of what? The gospel of the grace of God. Now let's put this together with Romans chapter 116, because if we can define the gospel, we're defining the grace of God. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Did you catch it? Gospel of God's grace. God's grace is the power of God. For who? For who? Look closely at the text. For who? Everyone who believes. I want to be a healthy believer. Here's Testimonies, Volume 5. Here it is in the spirit of prophecy. Divine grace is the great element of saving power. Without it, all human efforts are unavailing. From the beginning to the end, this whole experience, from the time the seed is planted all the way through to the harvest, the character of Christ, its divine grace, God's divine power working through the hearts, working in the hearts and lives of individuals who are intimately connected in a love affair with Jesus Christ, a knowledgeable love affair. It's one thing to say, I love him. It's another thing to say, I love him according to truth. And here's how we access this power packed grace. It's through the word of God. I love this. Acts chapter 20, verse 32. So now, brothers, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Isn't that good? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be what? Multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Amen. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to glory and virtue. Amen. And so this is why we are told in Prophets and Kings, page 626, Christians should be preparing for what is soon to break upon the world as an overwhelming surprise. And this preparation they should make by what? Diligently studying the word of God and striving to conform their lives to its precepts. There's a reason why. Because this is how we access the grace of God which actually enables us to communicate the gospel, develop the character of Christ, and actually be fitted to meet him in peace. All right. Now, I've got I've to do this. Someone told me that a good preacher always provides a problem. He's got to exalt the problem, otherwise a solution doesn't mean a thing. If I don't realize there's a problem then the solution means nothing. You can go solution, 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 and unless I recognize my need, the solution means nothing. In our years of work in, in uh, spiritual health counseling, spiritual health coaching, the only ones 
who actually benefited from the Word of God, from the beautiful healing truths that the Bible carries, are those who felt their need. Wasn't it that way with Jesus? It was. Who, who are the ones that, that were healed by their faith? Those who came to Christ with a need. So here's the danger. We, we've just got to spiritually fight to avoid. If we want to be ready to receive the latter rain and all of its power and meet Jesus in peace, I call it the Laodicean Sceva Syndrome. That ultimately leads to character assassination. Grab your Bibles. We actually read the account of the Sceva Syndrome in Acts chapter 19. The book of Acts. These guys, of course, saw, saw Paul, the apostle Paul, casting out demons and healing people. And they thought they could do the same work. I want you to listen and see if you can figure out what the Sceva syndrome is, a syndrome, a, a habit pattern, uh, something that I'm caught up in. Everybody ready? Acts chapter 19, starting at verse 13. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, claiming to cast out demons, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one Sceva, a Jew and chief of the priests, which did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And notice the result. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Let me just play a little mind game here with you. Look at verse 16 again. In 1 Timothy 3.15 it says that the, the church is the house of God. So let me just read. I'm going to plug in the word where you see the word house. I'm going to plug in the word the Seventh-day Adventist church. Okay? The church. Here we go. And the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the church naked and wounded. Does it fit? I think so. And the reason is, the reason is, is because there is an incredible problem with, the, with God's people. And it's called the Skiba syndrome. We're going to dig into this a little bit more. So here it is, the Skiba syndrome. The Skiba syndrome is depending on another person's faith experience with Christ Jesus, thinking that's enough for spiritual strength and guidance. Remember what the sons of Skiba just did? They were casting out demons, trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus who what? With the Jesus who Paul preached. Whose Jesus were they depending upon? The Apostle Paul's, not their own. Depending on the Jesus that Mark Finley preaches. Depending on the Jesus that Doug Batchelor preaches. 
depending on the Jesus that, uh, that Walter Weith preaches, depending on the Jesus that Dan Gabbert preaches, are you getting the drift? Depending on another man or another woman's experience with Christ for your own personal experience. It's dangerous. In Paul's day, there were Sceva syndrome believers that say, I'm of Paul, another of, of Apollos. Everybody's got their favorite man. What did Paul label that type of believer? Look at this. I've got this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Notice, brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to the babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. How come? Well, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. How come? You are still what? For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, another, I am of this preacher, I am of this preacher, are you not yet? Look at this, Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. I've got to go there. It's not in the presentation. You don't mind if I go to the Word for a minute? Galatians chapter 1. Have a look at this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Look at this, though. This is so powerful. For do I now persuade men or God? Who am I trying to persuade? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should what? Not be the servant of Christ. This is a big problem. Question. If I'm experiencing the Sceva syndrome, and I can't speak for anybody but myself, but if I'm experiencing, if I'm depending on another man or another woman's experience with Christ to keep me pumped, what am I actually doing? Whose character am I assassinating? Assassinating Christ's character? What? Oh, heaven forbid. And yet, brothers and sisters, it's happening all over. Matthew chapter 25. Let's go there. I'm going to read this. This is... Uh, tons of preachers have spoken on this. Matthew chapter 25, the the virgins, the ten virgins. Now, look close. I, I'm glad that, that you've brought your Bibles. I hope that at least for my presentations you will bring your Bibles because we'll be using them. Um, the powers in the Word. Psalms 107, 20, He, the Lord. They, they cry, people cried out to God in their, in their misery and He delivered them. But in Psalms 107, 20, it tells us how He delivered them. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And it is through the word of God that healing and victory and deliverance happen. Depend on a human being and guess what? By the way, have I got that there? Can I divert just a minute before we go to Matthew 25? Look at what happens when I put my trust in men. Go to Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah, and then we'll go back to Matthew 25. Keep your finger in Matthew 25 and go to the Jeremiah. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. Notice this. 
Here's what happens when we put our trust in men. Thus saith the Lord, cursed be the man that trusts in who? And makes flesh his arm or his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a bush, a heath in the desert, shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit parched places in the wilderness and in a salt land not inhabited. Wow. Let me ask you a question. Look closely at those verses and tell me, what happens when I'm putting my trust in men? For my spiritual experience, what happens when I'm putting my trust in men? What's happening to my heart? That's a clue. It's departing from the Lord. Do you see that in verse 5? Whose heart departs from the Lord. I don't like the idea of departing from the Lord, do you? Not at all, especially when we're so close to Christ's return. Okay, Matthew chapter 25, here we are. Matthew 25, I'm reading now. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. How much oil? But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there not be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. Good parable, huh? Okay, look closely. Who's represented by the bridegroom? By the way, if you're having trouble catching this, just look at the blue words. <laughs> All right. The virgins representing God's professed people. The lamps representing the word of God. The knowledge of God. The oil representing the Holy Spirit. Amen. What do the vessels represent that carry the extra oil? Because what did the wise virgins put their extra oil in? Look closely. What did it say there? What did they put their extra oil in? Their vessels. The unwise, no oil in their vessels. Vessels, what does that represent? Second Timothy, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, he will be a a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master. Notice when someone's cleansing themselves, what are they becoming? A vessel, a good one or a bad one? A good one. And what's actually happening to him? What's happened to him uh, in the cleansing? What's the word? Starts with an S, ends with a Sanctified. They're being sanctified. They're cooperating with the Spirit of God to actually become a vessel. Since sanctification is a three-dimensional process, by the way, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y And I pray God your whole spirit, 
soul and body, three-dimensional. Be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sanctification is three-dimensional. And so often people think it's only one-dimensional as long as I go to church on Sabbath and read my Bible for a couple of minutes in the morning before I rush out the door to get busy about life. That's enough. Because really, I'm, I'm watching amazing discoveries and I'm getting fed and getting pumped, so I really don't need to be in the Word for myself. A man's vessel is his body and mind. Remember this quote. This one I, wrote, I shared just a little bit earlier. We need not to worry about the latter rain. All we have to do is keep the clean and right side up, prepared for the reception of the heavenly rain, to stay in connection with God, with the heavenly channel. What do you say? Amen? I want to stay connected. I don't want to be trapped in the Skiva syndrome. How about you? I hope not. How does a person store more of the oil, the Holy Spirit, in his vessel that makes the word of God shine through him? Little clue. Big clue. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Isaiah 60, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the... What does God's glory represent? Besides his awesome splendor? Sure, his character. The glory of God is his character. There it is, Exodus 33, 18 and 19, 34, 5 through 7. It's there. God's glory is his character of love. This character was revealed in the life of Christ. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon who? You. Review and Herald, February 11, 1896. My mind is carried to the future when the signal will be given. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go you out to meet him. But some will have delayed to obtain the oil for replenishing their lamps. And too late they find that. Which is represented by the oil. See, I can't control. The Holy Spirit's supposed to use me, not me use the Holy Spirit. I don't store the Holy Spirit up. What I store up, though, is His work in my heart. The character that I develop from responding to the Spirit of God through His Word is what I store. Character which is represented by the oil is not transferable. Each must obtain it for himself, a character purified from every stain of sin. Anybody want to say amen? Don't get caught up in the Skiva syndrome. Whose character will those Christians who've remained faithful to Christ be exhibiting when he appears? Whew. 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. We know that when he appears, we should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has his hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. What do you say? I want to be like Jesus. Personal experience with Jesus. Personal love affair with him. Based upon the knowledge of the word of God. <sighs> Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. 1 John 2.5 and 6 But whoso... 
says he abides in him out of himself also so to walk even as he walked. 1 John 2, 6. I had to do this. You have to humor me. I, you know, I just, it's just fun using the tool that God has given us, the Word of God. But what I'd like to do is just plug in the word, where you see the word oil in Matthew 25, I'm going to plug in the word character of Christ. Okay, ready? All right. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your character of Jesus. For our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Question, who sells character? The devil and Christ. Whose character are you buying from? Notice this. Um, Catch this now. Go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Watch this now. Notice how a person acquires Christ's character. I, Revelation 3.18, I counsel you to buy from me. Yes. To buy from me gold refined in the fire. We're going to be covering this in another one of my presentations, so bear with me. Gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. Wow. Who do I buy from? But look at this. Go to Isaiah 55. Man, I'm getting close to the end, but this is so much fun. Now, who are we to buy character from? Now, look at this. I just think this is so neat. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Oh, every one of you that thirsts, are you thirsty? For the Holy Spirit? Come ye to the waters, and he that has no money, come and what? And eat. Thy word was a found, and I, I did eat it. And it was a joy and rejoicing in my heart. Wow. By wine and milk. What does wine represent in the Bible? When you drink the wine at communion, what does it represent? Got to have Christ's death. Got to accept. You got to drink the wine. And what does milk represent? 1 Peter 1.23 Desire the sincere milk of the that you might grow thereby. And according to this, how much does it cost us? Because it says i got to buy it. But how much does it cost me according to that verse? Not a thing. But when you buy something, you've got to exchange. You're exchanging, you know, when you go to Wally World, to Walmart, or something like that, right? And you're going to get a pair of shoes or whatever. Um, You exchange something to get what you're buying, Right? I'm not going to share this with you. This is another message, but question. What do I exchange when I buy character from Christ? Well, I think we've got to bring this to a close. Can anyone guess what the answer to this question is? Big question. Why weren't the unwise virgins able to store the extra oil of character of Christ in their lives? Want to see the answer? 
This is big. Here it is. Great Controversy 394. Their fears, this is talking about the unwise virgins, their fears had been excited by the solemn message, but, oh, big word, three letters, but they had depended upon the faith of their brethren, satisfied with the flickering light of good emotions without a thorough understanding of the truth or a genuine work of grace in the heart. Question, what were the unwise virgins experiencing? You got it. I want to be a wise one. And I want to be a virgin. Not a, you don't, you can fill in the blank. I'm going to be a wise virgin. How about you? Is there any other place to be? Question. We've already hit on this. If I'm putting my faith in men like the sons of Sceva, what's happening to my heart? Who's got my heart? Jeremiah 17.5, we looked at it. Question, can I rightly represent Christ if I'm depending on another person's experience with Jesus? Can't do it. Instead, I want to have a very healing, personal experience with our Lord Jesus Christ. A latter rain experience with Him where I am being taught, I am being moved I am being used by the Holy Spirit to communicate the loving character of a mighty Savior by the name of Jesus Christ. How about you? I think we may need to pray. Oh, yes. Seek the Lord while I may be found. Calling upon Him while He's near. Let the wicked forsake His way and the unrighteous man His thoughts. Let Him, let him do what? Return to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he shall abundantly pardon. Amen. Seek him while he be be found. I think we're ready to pray. Lord, I am just so grateful that there is an escape from the Sceva syndrome that is just taking the Christian world by force. So many men and women depending on some glamorous, glittering storytelling, horn tooting speaker, who are neglecting their own personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ through the Word of God. There might be someone who is listening right now who recognizes that they've been suffering from the Skiva syndrome. The Lord is telling you He doesn't condemn you. He's saying, accept my gift of repentance. Turn back to me. Make my word the man of your counsel, the delight of your heart. Dear brothers and sisters, won't you this morning Thank God for a mighty deliverer by the name of Jesus Christ. And thank him for his Holy Spirit who convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment to bring us the everlasting gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Anyone else want to say thank you? I want you to live in my heart.
please forgive me for my... Strengthen me by your grace to continue to cooperate with you to receive the latter rain. Healing, restoration, victory, and preparation for translation. In your name we pray. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.